0: So we're in a series on art and artists, and um, here's a little, maybe, uh, the power of art. Uh, I don't know if many of you know this, but I actually have a bachelor's degree in fine arts, Uh, yep, in uh, painting and sculpture, and uh, it's a part of my life that uh, I don't get to like exercise a lot very often anymore, Um, just with with kind of the shifting of careers, and now we're, you know, working in ministry with, with youth for the last 18 years. and uh, But uh, it is definitely something dear to my heart. Like, I still always have this desire to create and to build and to paint uh, and to make. Uh, and so, um, the Lord blessed me a few years ago with a wood shop in, uh, in one of the high schools that we work, uh, that I work with. And so, I, I get to go in there, and, and like, for the last, like, two weeks, all I've, been dreaming of and imagining is um, this sword that I'm going to make out of wood for the Renaissance Fair, which is coming up next month. Uh, brace yourselves and get ready. Uh, it's going to be awesome. And this year, uh, I'm going to get to take my... Last year, my son went also, but uh, this year, I'll get to take my son. And eventually, what we're going to do is we're going to get a big dog, and he'll, we'll dress the dog up as like a, like, a, like, a, like a war horse, and then he can ride the sucker all over uh, all over the Renaissance Fair. But anyways... Uh, But yeah, I always actually, um, since childhood, I I just always liked to create and build and and make things. Um, I would spend hours with Legos, of course, uh, and actually... um, to my shame, I didn't understand what I was really giving up. But one year, I asked my parents for, for Christmas for cardboard and construction paper and tape uh, because those were the, the tools of the, that I love to build things with. And I didn't realize what I was giving up at the moment. But um, looking back, like I just spent hours building things out of cardboard and making things. and um, It was just a, a really fun part of my life. And so um, sculpture is something – sculpture, uh, I, I love to paint – uh, but, I really love to build things to sculpt, uh, and, and part of the reason of that is there 's something about painting where uh, I, anybody remember Bob Ross anyway he was like a famous painter and he had a TV show on uh, BBC or whatever channel it was, and not BBC but uh, the, B- the PBS, there it is. And, uh, you know, Bob Ross was, like, in basic. Like, he would just start painting, and he'd just, like, this wide brush. And so, like, we're just going to paint a mountain here and just go, and put, like, a big black stain in the middle of this painting. And then, like, three brush strokes later, it was this most majestic mountain that you had ever seen. Like, it was just, and he'd be like, we're going to just put some happy trees that are just living down here by this forest. And he'd just, like, dab his his brushes, and things would just, like, come to life. In his paintings, it was just extraordinary uh and uh and so with painting, you could do that, but with one of the things with sculpture that is so different is you can't you can't just brush over sculpture uh sculpture requires hands it requires you to get dirty, it requires you to be uh in there, and, and, and and, um, my wife and I went to Paris a couple years ago, we were in uh, the sculpture garden of Rodin, and just seeing these pieces, these incredible things that he had made, and um, we went to the Louvre, and and, and a few other, um, um, sorry, not the Louvre, um, oh my god, I'm blanking on the, the Paris, like, super, the Met of Paris, anyways, my wife is not in the room, but she would be like, is it the Louvre? I did get the Louvre, okay, sorry, I, 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 yeah, 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 okay, the Louvre, I, anyways, the Louvre, we were there, it was awesome, right, it would, uh, and seeing the sculptures that were in this building, right, and just being able to see, like, the details of, I spent, like, like, 45 minutes just looking at the, the winged victory, the Nike, uh, it was just this incredible piece, um, but the detail, everything that has to be done. My favorite sculptors are uh, Italian Renaissance sculptors, which you may or may not know, but you probably do know a little bit more because they have been immortalized as half of the team of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, uh, Michelangelo and Donatello. And so I brought a couple of pictures of some of the things that they sculpted. Uh, this first one is called the Pieta. And that means, um, or just put, on, put yeah, yeah, La Pieta. And this is by uh, Donatello and um, sculpted out of marble. Just take a minute to look at this. Look at the detail of of her drapes as they're uh, flowing, cascading down her body uh, on her knees under the body of Christ. Uh, unfortunately, we, we can't get really close, but to see the detail of her expression of her face... Mary, in this uh, image, is, is young and beautiful. Uh, and and uh, Donatello chose to depict her that way, uh, kind of to immortalize her uh, and who she is. And uh, the body of Christ um, kind of flung over her. But just the, just the incredible movement of his body and the, and, uh, and the movement of her, uh, of her clothes. It's just this incredible thing. And every piece of that, every inch of that, the artist, Donatello, he had to carefully craft it. He had to sculpt it. This was just a giant piece of, of stone that he chiseled away all these extra pieces and brought this piece out of it. Um, uh, it's just magnificent. And, so, uh, and then uh, uh, Michelangelo, who maybe is a little bit more known for some of his paintings... Um, he painted the Sistine Chapel, right? The images of God and mankind, right? Uh, but uh, he was also a renowned sculptor. And this is uh, one of his earlier pieces. This is uh, St. Mark. And uh, he made this before he was 30. I mean, just extraordinarily talented, like gifted art. And uh, unfortunately, we can't get close, right? But to see the detail on his beard, like just to imagine every hair, uh, of the of his beard was had to be chiseled and had to be carved and had to be made with such uh, precision and skill. Um, you know uh, these artists couldn't just take a paintbrush and you can just dab them and and a tree would come to life. No, they had to painstakingly hours and hours on every inch. Every piece, the fingers, the detail of their fingers, of their hands. If you get close, you can see the veins uh, on their hand. Like, just extraordinarily exquisite. And this was all chiseled out of marble. Like, this is stone. Um, incredible. It's incredible. Um, and so, um, and one of the reasons I like sculpture is it reminds me a little bit of, uh, of God. And it reminds me of the detail in which God um, formed and shaped humanity. We, we, uh, Wendy, at the beginning of the series, uh, thank you, Hannah, uh, at the beginning of the series, Wendy, um, spoke about, uh, the, the creation narrative, right, and God, uh, bringing, uh, nothing, bringing something out of nothing and speaking things in existence and then filling those voids. And if we look at the poem, uh, the, the creation narrative at the beginning of, of the Bible, um, God. The first three days, God is just separating things, separating light and darkness, separating sky and and uh, and separating land and water. And then He spends the the next three days just filling those spaces. And one of the most beautiful things about this is, after He's created all things, then Chapter Two of Genesis then goes into detail. Let's let's go even more close to the creation of God, and and we see how God uh, formed humanity. Uh, and uh, I want to read that part because it's, uh, it's God's sculpting life. It says this in uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Let me read that one more time. And the Lord God made, sorry, the Lord God formed the man. And that word man is Adam. And Adam means, uh, it can mean three things depending on the context. It can mean mankind, it can mean man, literally the word for man. And it'll also mean Adam, the name. Um, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Imagine that first day for Adam and what that must have been like. Uh, and we see that God just took this clay, this dust, this dirt, and 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 He carefully shaped it into. This being into this into this mold, into this figure of what he wanted it to be, and gave him arms and legs and fingers and hands and and made his organs and his lungs and then like this is just a lump of clay I brought for you know as an example i 'm going to breathe into it and it 's going to come to life right now, but imagine right this inanimateness of this object and and then God breathed into its nostrils. And life, existence became. And then later on, uh, Adam, uh, God then uh, took Adam and, uh, and gave him a job and had him assign him a role. And he was naming the animals, and God would bring the animals to Adam. And the Bible says that God also formed the animals out of the dirt and out of the dust. And he would bring them to Adam, and Adam would, would give them a name. And uh, I don't think it's our English names for animals now, but uh, he would name the animals. And in that whole process, a, a, a suitable partner, a suitable helpmate wasn't found. And so then God took a piece of Adam, and the Bible says that he formed out of that piece. He made then Eve. And then he brought them together, and he... Uh, It's beautiful. It's this beautiful imagery of God taking and forming. He didn't just speak like he did for the sun and the moon. He didn't just speak like he did for land and the sea. He didn't just speak. God took the time to fashion, to make, to create the intricate details of his precious humanity. And it says in... um, there's something uniquely special about this, right? And and I want us to I want us to hear these words because we hear so often, uh, all over the place. We hear so often uh, the opposite that we are the random uh, result of biochemistry and uh, and things just coming together. And uh, and I want you to know there was an intention behind that. In Genesis one verse twenty seven, says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Oops. Let us make man, and that word again, humankind, mankind, in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I want to read that part again. And I want you to count how many times he uses the word created. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Three times. Three times. Uh, in the Bible, anytime there's something repeated, anytime there's something that is uh, it, uh, uh, repeated, it's done for emphasis. It's done so that we can stop and pause and, and reflect on the importance of that moment. And, and, and let us stop and pause on the importance of this moment, that we were not just simply here, that there is a creation that was thought behind you and thought behind me. We were created in this image of God. Now that is, that could pose some questions, right? What is the image of God? What does that mean? What does that mean to be then made in God's image? What does that look like for us? Uh, and, and here's the thing. I, uh, unfortunately, I can't just give you, um, I can't just like tell you, oh, well, it means this, right? Because theologians have been fighting over this for hundreds of years, thousands of years. Um, because we don't, Fully know all that it encompasses what it means to have the image of God, but I want to attempt to give you a little bit of at least a taste of some of what it could mean and it, so, at least some of what it does mean right and some people have argued that uh, the image of God is is in our bodies, that our bodies were physically like our physical ability the uprightness of our posture right that we are uh, that our humanity it, our image of God we, as bears let me just put it this way, as bears of, Im- of the image of God is in our physical appearance, right? our bodies. The problem with that, though, is uh, is the image of God is, is the main thing that distinguishes us from the rest of the animal kingdom, right? Uh, if it's just our physical bodies, uh, there is so much... That we have similarity with uh, the rest of the animal kingdom, the rest of our of our universe, right? Uh, the chimpanzee has, like, I think it's like 97 percent, like, uh, similarities physiologically to uh, the human, uh, and so it can't just be in our physical bodies. Also, if it's just our physical bodies, like, what happens then for the people whose physical bodies have uh, some uh, some form of difference? Right? At what point then is what physical body is the image of God, and which ones aren't right? Uh, my uh, cousin's son was born without a hand. Does that limit his physical body for the image of God? What about our our brothers and sisters who are born with severe uh, with, with special needs? right? Are they limited in their image of God? No? Absolutely not. So it has to be more than just our physical body, right? Uh, I was looking at the Bible Project. They have a, a video on this, and, and it's really interesting. and I would highly recommend you looking at it. Uh, but their their uh, take on uh, our place in the physical, uh, sorry, as the image of God is that we are all, we have been given this co-rulership, that we have been uh, given an ability to uh, to co-rule with God, right? And that fits in with the scripture, right? Because it says... Let us give man, make man in our image and our likeness and let them rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock and over all the earth and over all creatures, creatures that move along the ground, right? So, so it is in our dominion over the world that we then uh, are image bearers of God, right? That we then can uh, model after this, right? Our ability to then to rule, to steward over the earth, to uh, care for, uh, for the world. Right, so the image of God is then our um, is in that in our joining God in ruling and caring for our planet. Well, we're not doing such a good job of that, uh, I think, and uh, and uh, so maybe maybe there's something lacking there. Maybe that doesn't fulfill like fully encompass all that we were created to be and all that uh, all that God had in, in mind when He breathed His life into the nostrils of, of the first man. Well, maybe other people then would say, well, then it is like our uh, a God-like qualities that, uh, that we share, right? Our ability to demonstrate uh, uh, love and creativity and holiness and immortality uh, and freedom, right? It is in our characteristics that reflect God in us, right? That's what then the image of God is, that ability to reflect all these things. Uh, and, uh, and language, right? The human development of language is vastly superior to the animal kingdom, right? Even though animals can speak to each other, there are there is forms of communication, it's nowhere near as close to us, right? Is that the image of God in us? Is that our ability, our, our soul, our, our mind, uh, our ability to think and rationalize? Is that what dis- dis- distinguishes us? Or is it something else? Is it maybe our spirit? Our ability to connect with God and have relationship with God, right? Our ability to uh, connect in relationship with our maker and with each other. Is that what the image of God, is that what bears the image of God in us? Um, Karl Barth and Emil Bruner said the image of God is then essentially a relational identity, our ability to relate to God and one another rather than an ontological identity. Essence of being, right? It's not just about us being. It is, it is this ability to to relate. So, is it our body? Is it our uh, our physical thing? What we do? Our responsibility towards uh, towards the earth and towards the creatures that God made. Is it our soul? Is it what we uh, how we think and who we are and how we rationalize and our mind? Is it our spirit and our ability to connect with God? Uh, well, I would propose to you that the image of God is way more complex than all of those things. And it can't be encompassed into one of those. And though certainly it is those things, it is also way more than just that. So think about it this way. Because God created us in his image, and God, uh, we have to take God at uh, how God has revealed himself as Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Right? Uh, another reason why it can't just be our physical bodies, right, that reflect God's image is because God doesn't have a physical body. God is spirit, as uh, he reveals to us in Scripture. Uh, but let's think about it this way. It is it is in our responsibility uh, to carry, to be image bearers, that we... So think about it this way. Our bodies, our physical bodies house... Uh, part of the image of God. Our physical bodies in, in, the, in the thing, think about it like this frame, right? And our, in our physical bodies, right, there's a function that we have, a responsibility to to rule over the world and to, uh, to be co-rulers with God and to have dominion over animals and to steward them and to care for them uh, and to love them, right? Which we need to do a better job of. Uh, think of then the... Uh, our soul, right? This is uh, our soul, which uh, is, reflects the individual personalities and our ability to, to love and our ability to create and our ability to, uh, to rationalize and language, right, is, is part of us, is the image of God in us, is that, our soul, our mind, right? Uh, but not only is it that, but then it is also our spirit, and our ability to, because uh, spirit is invisible, right? Ah, uh? See what I did there? You see what I did there, right? Yeah. Is our ability to connect with God and relate with God and relate to each other. And N.T. Wright actually described the image of God as this, as a angled mirror. An angled mirror that reflects then uh, the God. And, so, and the illustration that he gives is when he was younger, he was sick, and his mother put a a mirror at an angle so that he could look outside of his room and see his mother in the kitchen and those people that were in the house and that they could look in and see him and are it being the image of God. We are like an angled mirror in the sense that we then God can reflect himself through us to creation and that we in our kindness, in our care for humanity, for others, for creation can reflect back to God, right? Um, And so is it possible that bearing the image of God is more than just our physical being, that it is more than just our spiritual being, and it is more than just our mind, but in them working in tandem together, we can reflect a bigger picture of who God is, that image in us as we reflect then the image of God in the way we work and serve and care and the responsibility that we have to bear that image in our world. Is it our ability to, uh, our, to think and to use language, right? Yes. Is it our ability to connect with God, our relationship with him in our spirit? Yes. Yes. It is all those things and so much more. So though I can't tell you definitively the image of God is this, what I can say is at least it is those things working together in tandem for us. And here's what's beautiful about that, right, is though maybe we can't pinpoint what the image of God is, we absolutely for sure have to, have to recognize it in, uh, in other humans and other people. Uh, because it is not just distinctly for us as believers, but it is that every human and every person carries with that. And it is also something that we can disrespect. And in disrespecting that in others, we are in fact disrespecting God. And um, Proverbs 14, 31, it says this, whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. But Whoever is kind to the needy honors God. James 3 said this, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. So though we maybe we can't pinpoint exactly what it is, we have to recognize it in our brothers and sisters. And not only that, but... Uh, uh, James will go on later on to say that hey, showing favoritism is as much uh, is as important to God as if you show favoritism to someone who is rich over someone who is poor. God considers that breaking all of the law. You're considered just as uh, as broken as as a murderer or a thief in God's eyes because that's how valuable humanity is. That's how valuable. You are that 's how valuable god 's image in us is and and we need to take that seriously because especially in our day and age where it's so easy for us to put people in the categories. It's so easy for us to uh, discourage uh, and it's so easy for us to to classify people as in a hierarchy of whose matters more, right? Everyone has someone they believe that they're superior to. All cultures have varying degrees of racism and and, and classism and and, uh, you know, in Puerto Rico, like if you just look at the Caribbean Islands, right? Puerto Rico, unfortunately, let's just be honest, let's call it what it is. Puerto Ricans, we'll talk down about Dominicans. And then Dominicans, will talk down about Haitians. And I don't know where Haitians, who they talk down about, but I'm sure there's someone that they talk down about. right? We all have these persons that we then will say, we put ourselves in this hierarchy, right? And and in the United States, it's so prevalent. It's, it permeates in all parts of our culture, right? Of who's higher up and who's below. And what God is... I think important for us, what God would teach us is that the, the, the mark of the image of God is in each of us and therefore requires a high degree of dignity in every human, that every person uh, is important, that every soul matters, that God carefully crafted like Donatello, like Michelangelo, carefully crafted your body, your soul, and your spirit. And with that, it needs to give us a sense of privilege and honor that we are made in the image of God, but it also needs to give us a sense of humility uh, in our place, uh, in, in who God has made us to be, and our ability then to look and see the beauty in others, to see the... Uh, the design in other people. And so I want to end with, uh, I want to share a few scriptures with us uh, to affirm the image of God in you and in me, to affirm uh, God's creation, formation of you and me in our lives. So what I'm going to ask is, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes unless you're going to fall asleep and then keep them open. Uh <laughs> I want to read a little bit of some of the scripture and what is it what it speaks about about how valuable you and I are and how valuable we are to God. And I hope that this helps to affirm part of your identity in Christ, in God as an image bearer. Psalm 139 <clears throat> says this. You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before word is on my tongue, you know it, Lord, completely. You have hemmed me behind and before, and you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attend. You created my innermost being. You fashioned me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place and when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me are written in your book, before one of them came to being, how precious are your thoughts. O oh God, how vast is the sum of them. where I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. First John 3 verse 1 says this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his own love in this, that while Alberto was still a sinner, that while you were still a sinner, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Colossians 3, 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, you are chosen. He chose you. Holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. First Peter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Colossians 3.10, that we have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. God has fashioned us. Scripture would say that God knows how many hair are on your head, and he has them counted. He knows the very details of your life, and he loves you dearly. Let's walk in the knowledge of that, that I am deeply loved. I am fearfully and wonderfully created, that you and I, we bear the image of God, and what we do matters because of that, and who we are matters because of that. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you. God, I pray that that identity of image bearer, Father God, would permeate into who we are, that we would sense that, that we could feel that, that we could know that. That as we walk around, that we would know that what we do matters because I'm made in your image. That how I think and reason and use language matters because I am made in your image. That how I treat others matters because of who I am and who they are made in your image. And that you have given me the capacity to relate to you to know you and to relate to others and to know others. God, I pray for anyone who may be struggling with self-image, with identity, that you would remind them of their place, their special, significant place as an image bearer of you, their maker. Would you remind us that we matter to you and would we live out of that Thank you, God, for your love for us. Thank you that as we move into a time of communion, Lord, we can remember that we mattered so much that you were willing to die on the cross, to ransom us, to save us, our body, our mind, our soul, our spirit, so that we could live in relationship with you, deepen our relationship with you, deepen our knowledge of you, deepen our heart and connection to you. And let that transform us in the way that we show compassion and love to our brothers and sisters. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before the worship team uh, takes over, I was just reminded of a song I used to sing when I was a little little boy. uh, And it said, I'm somebody. We're all somebodies. We're created in the image of God, and I am somebody. Remember this week. Remember this week. You are somebody. Because you were created in the image of God, and you matter. He fashioned you. He created you, and you are his masterpiece. God bless.